welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Welcome to I See You. This is episode 38, When Your Marriage is Hurting, with Tony Overbay from The Virtual Couch. I feel like I've been a little too serious lately, so I'm going to start out with a funny story. Yesterday, I was having a conversation with my two-year-old, which, you know, happens a lot. I'm trying to talk to her, and she's just sitting there staring at my forehead. Well, it's more like in between my eyebrows. She's looking at me all concerned. She says, Mom, you, you got an ouchie? I felt my head, and I was like, oh, nope. Nope, I just popped a zit. Just popped a zit right there. Well, she will not stop asking about it, but she calls it a pop. She doesn't call it an ouchie. She doesn't call it a zit. And so I keep forgetting what she's talking about. She's looking at me, mom, you got a pop. You got a pop. You got to wash your pop off, mom. Wash off your pop. And she just sits there and stares at it. I try and talk to her about other things. I try and ask her questions. And it's like she can't take me seriously because she's just staring in between my eyebrows where I excavated on my face because I do that sometimes because it just feels right to pop your zip. None of us want pus on our face. She just stares at it. She is the zip police. If you have really bad acne, I'm just going to give you a fair warning. Maybe save yourself and avoid my Lydia until things have cleared up a little bit. No pun intended. In all seriousness, in my opinion, today's episode is marriage changing. It's every answer to every issue that I can think of that I deal with in my own marriage, which I feel like I'm really happy in my marriage. But all of us know if you're not working on your marriage, it's going to start hurting eventually. And I believe that you will also find answers to your marriage or your someday marriage or your relationships in general if you're not married. I don't have anybody sponsoring these podcast episodes. What I'm telling you is there's no reason for me to toot someone else's horn except for the fact that I believe in it. I believe in what they're doing with all of my heart, with all my soul. Tony Overbay, the host of the Virtual Couch Podcast, is someone I believe is making great changes in our communities at large. He's affecting millions of people. I guess I haven't looked up exact numbers if I'm being completely honest and authentic, which I always am on this, right? But I'm pretty sure it's in the millions. If not, Tony's happy I said it is in the millions, right? Also, shout out to Tony's daughter, Alexa. This is a special shout out to you from the ICU podcast. She is getting married today on Friday when you're listening to this. Tony, just try not to snort during the ceremony. His snorting is one of my favorite things about him. And you get to hear it right here on the ICU podcast. I love this man because he snorts all the time on his podcast. And it's my favorite. But hey, Alexa, it's your day today. I hope your dad doesn't snort for you. Rock on. Good luck on your marriage. I did an interview on Tony's podcast, which came out a couple weeks ago. It's episode 123 on his podcast, The Virtual Couch. There's both an audio version and a video version you can find on YouTube. If you just search on YouTube, The Virtual Couch, Julie Lee, it'll pop right up. I will leave links for both of those in the show notes. He interviewed me about my struggles with mental health, and specifically, he wanted me to talk about my relationship with medication and the shame that I used to feel around medication my journey of accepting that as a beautiful resource in my life. It's awesome. He makes me cry. It's beautiful. It's all good. All right. Our review for this week was left just this last Saturday, five stars. It's called Authentic and Real, and it is from Witry Kai 1718 
Thank you for talking about the hard stuff. I like hearing how others live their best lives after and through trials. It gives me hope and I'm sure others as well. P.S. I live by Hill Air Force Base as well. Okay, that's super cool. I'm so sorry. I don't live by Hill Air Force Base anymore, which is unfortunate for the listeners because I know how much you loved hearing the jets go over during the podcast, right? You loved it. I actually have moved since then, but I love Hill Air Force Base in that area. It has a special place in my heart and I go up there all the time because girls still got to go to therapy and I'm not switching my therapist at this point. Thank you so much for that review. Please, if you haven't reviewed or rated the podcast, I'm sorry to say it again because I know every freaking podcast out there asks for it, but the truth of the matter is it helps the podcast get out there. If you do want to support the podcast, go to icupodcast.com. You can see cute apparel there that is free shipping and ways to support the podcast. Before we begin the interview, I just want to clarify one thing, and that is what is gaslighting? We talk about gaslighting near the end of the interview, and in case you're not familiar with that term, gaslighting, I wanted to let you know what it is. So, gaslighting actually comes from a play called Gaslight that is dated back to 1938 and it was also adapted into a film. And basically what it is, is it's a man who he dims the gaslights in his home and then he persuades his wife that she's imagining the change. So she notices that it's getting darker, but when she brings it up, he basically kind of makes her feel crazy by saying, no, 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 it's, it's not, it's not. And he goes and he keeps dimming it. It's created this term for gaslighting, which wiki, I go there for everything, right? Because that's truth. It's a form of psychological manipulation that seeks to sow seeds of doubt in a targeted individual or in members of a targeted group, making them question their own memory, perception, and sanity. Using persistent denial, misdirection, contradiction, and lying, it attempts to destabilize the victim and delegitimize the victim's belief. We talk about gaslighting a little bit, and I just want you to know that the term gaslighting, it can be a really triggering word for people because they think of the most extreme versions of it. I want you to know that I think gaslighting can enter even healthy marriages at times if we're not careful. And so when we talk about it, I'd ask that you open your ears to it and just listen if maybe you have seen this in yourself or your spouse and know that it can change. We'll talk more about that at the end from the expert himself, Tony Overbay. Let's get over to the interview. Tony Overbay, welcome to the ICU podcast. Thank you. I can honestly say I've been looking forward to this all week. I really have. Good. It's a pleasure to have you. We titled the episode, When Your Marriage is Hurting. I thought a lot about what I wanted to use all your expertise for because I love your podcast, by the way. It's the best. It's awesome. It really is like having a therapist in your pocket. I think I heard someone say that once on your podcast and I'm like, that's it. It's so true. People that are scared of therapy, you should just go to a virtual couch and you can get free therapy from Tony, right? I know, right? I don't know. I feel like sometimes am I am I missing some opportunity there? You know, because I hear that all the time. Thank you so much for the free therapy. I'm grateful to uh, provide it. I am. But <laughs> yeah. by the way, your episode on the virtual couch has been incredibly well received. And so, if any of your listeners don't follow you all around, they they should because your episode is amazing. You were very open and honest about your struggles with mental health, and I just it was so good. Thank so you. I appreciate that. That's true. It was pretty amazing. Well, <laughs> what's funny, what's funny is I think I was more open on there than maybe I've had the opportunity to be on my own podcast because no one comes oh, and interviews you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty special. Actually, in fact, as I was, I was dropping off my kids at the babysitters and my, my son, he's four, he said, mom, are you going to stay with us? Or are you going? And I said, well, I'm going, I'll be back in an hour. And he said, why? I said, well, I'm interviewing someone for the podcast. And he said, what's his name? <laughs> I said, well, his name is Tony Overbay. And he's like, oh, is he a dad? And I was like, yeah, actually he is a dad. And he was like, all right. Okay. We have the okay from my four-year-old. Good. All right. I am indeed a dad. Okay. Well, why don't you start? Just tell us about yourself. Okay. I'll start right there actually. So father of four, and here's the crazy part is as at the time of this recording, um, I'm one week out from my oldest getting married, my first daughter getting married. And it's uh, it's a trip. 
I'm so excited, but I often, this is the part that has me wondering, is it a good thing or a bad thing for a kid to have a therapist as a dad? Because when her fiance was in town a few weeks ago, I did pull them into my conference room and then we spent two hours laying out what I want to turn into a premarital counseling online program. And I'm sitting there loving it, but it's like, all right, tell me about your fights. You know, tell me if you guys communicate well, tell me about your sex lives, you know? And, and I think that's the part where maybe it's not a great thing <laughs> to have a therapist as a dad. Your daughter's like, dad. <laughs> I know, right? My wife has to remind me sometimes at like parties and stuff that, you know, I probably could throw a couple of boundaries up, but, but I really love what I do. I'm on a second career. I did 10 years in the computer software industry. It wasn't my passion. And I didn't really even know there was an option to change careers. And, and then I kind of just, I really felt called to this work. And then I spent a couple of years doing the I don't know, you know, that's a lot of work or what if it doesn't work out or that sort of thing. And then I finally just said, okay, go get my master's in counseling. Two years is going to pass regardless. And now I've been practicing for, I guess that was a little over 15 years ago. I love it. Married to my high school sweetheart. It'll be 29 years in September, which is crazy. I think that's the part where you can say, oh, you got married at like 10, right? <laughs> yeah, or 15, I was thinking, yeah. right? Cause- yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and so, and, and anyway, so I have a, a very healthy private practice, which I'm, I just feel so blessed. And I've got an online pornography recovery program, which I just, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful to be able to help people. And then I love, I absolutely love podcasting. I listen to podcasts forever. I, I love running and I've just, for years, I've just ran to podcasts. And so, even that was something I sat on for about a year before I, I finally did it. And I'm just still imposter syndrome every time I record one and think that at some point they're going to pull my podcast license or whatever and tell me I'm not, <laughs> oh, not you know, totally. you feel that? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I don't know why people listen to me, but hey, this is yeah. working. So <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a little bit about me. Cool. So let's just jump in. What are some of the most common issues you see in marriages that are struggling? I know it sounds so cliched, but it is truly communication. I mean, all throughout the marriage, the ones I often see are called the big three. You've got finances and parenting and then intimacy, which is the PG word for sex. But, but then it's all about communication. You know, there's just a lot of assumptions made in marriages. And then there, there are really unhealthy communication patterns that evolve over time, where I always say that people eventually, if they aren't heard or aren't seen, then they get to these places where they will just kind of come into a conversation angry, or they come in knowing that, all right, I don't typically get my emotional needs met. I have to just kind of throw it out there. Then couples get into this pattern where they're just, I always say they're just getting down in their bunkers and just hurling insults and and assuming that at some point one of them is going to say, oh, okay, okay, I understand now. And it just creates these really unhealthy patterns of communication. Yeah, that's interesting. I had always heard finances and sex. That's what I'd heard. I had not heard parenting as one of the top issues, but that's a big one. Yeah, it really is. I love the, that you kind of took the question even there because it goes back to the core of if we can't communicate. So I feel like when a, when a relationship is not maybe as healthy as it can be, that oftentimes when people don't know how to get their partner to hear them or see them, then it does come out in a lot of ways. So then they, you know, they're frustrated and they're frustrated in, in parenting. And so then you know, they might get frustrated in a moment and then the other partner sees this is a time where I can now show them that they're not all that they think they are, you know, and then they'll go in front of a kid and say, hey, you need to take it easy on him or whatever. And now we're arguing in front of the kids. And, and so it can just develop these just deep, unhealthy patterns that then manifest themselves in a lot of different areas. Oh, I can see that for sure. Yeah. So as a therapist, what does a successful marriage look like? We all want one. What does it look like? Yeah, no, that's great. 
it is good communication, but it's more than that. If you're okay, I'll, I will take a step back and then I'll kind of get back, or I hope I do if I don't. I'll reel you back. All right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You hold on to the rope and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down to the cave. <laughs> don't let go, all right? So when I did become a therapist, my first job, I was doing it more part-time. It was a passion. And I was working for uh, my church in a nonprofit. My goal was to help men. I wanted to help men be better husbands and fathers. And I really felt called to that work. And then the joke I always tell is then I get to work and men don't come to counseling. And this was especially a long time ago. So then I was basically dealing with, I was handed men who struggled with compulsive sexual behavior, pornography addiction. All right, that's my population. I'm going to go all in. You know, you first learn how to do a lot of behavioral things around addiction. But then I started to notice that I really feel like addiction at the core was not feeling connected or not feeling authentic in one of a variety of ways, not feeling authentic in relationships in a marriage or not feeling like they know what they're doing as a dad, not feeling like they like their career, maybe struggling with their faith, maybe struggling with their health. Over time, especially when you've got early exposure to things like pornography, drugs, alcohol, any of these kind of mind-altering things that give the brain the reward center, you know, that lights it up, people develop a pattern where then when they don't feel good, when they don't feel connected, the brain's like, I got this. Um, I got the drug thing here. You know, we got the pictures. We got the whatever, whatever we need. So then I feel like, okay, we got the behavioral stuff in place, but then people are still struggling, relapsing. So that's where it's like, okay, now we got to go in and, and address each one of those issues. If they don't know how to parent, I want to do all evidence-based models. So I, I found an evidence-based model for parenting, the nurtured heart approach. So we're going to learn how to be a good parent. You know, we're going to learn to do acceptance and commitment therapy to kind of work through fears and kind of achieve our goals. And I still didn't want to do couples work because as a new therapist, you get a couple in there, you don't know what you're doing and you feel like, you know, all right, uh, what do you think, you know, or whatever. And then it's almost like who, who's the most angry or who, whatever. And it, and it just didn't, it wasn't very fun. So then I go get a couples modality that is nice and evidence-based called EFT, Emotionally Focused Therapy. And once I found EFT, then it was like, holy cow, here's a framework. I got some numbers here. A substantial body of research showing the effectiveness of EFT. Studies show that 70 to 75% of couples move from distress to recovery and approximately 90% show significant improvements. And it's, it's evidence-based. You can throw a brain scan on somebody and watch you know, them light up instead of shut down when there's like healthy communication. I remember what you asked, what does a healthy <laughs> marriage look like? It's knowing that my partner is going to be there for me. So I can go to them with my hopes, my dreams, my fears, and know that they are going to say, tell me more, that they're going to meet that with empathy and not with, I can't believe you just said that, or really this again, or, you know, which I call fixing and judgment statements. And a lot of times it's not, it's not even coming from a horribly negative place. And I give really silly examples. Like if somebody just says, Hey, I'm really afraid to um, go to this new job. And if their partner says, Hey, no, no, you're, you're good. You know, you can do hard things. And, and, you know, I've, I've had hard jobs too. And that means well, but the person has put out what's called their emotional bid. They got vulnerable. They showed some of their heart to their partner and their partner didn't say, Hey, tell me why. Like, tell me where that's coming from. Oh, what are your that's so true. It's kind of minimizing. It is. It's like, it's, it's like, hey, you're good. Like you, Hey, everybody gets fine. Great. Exactly. So, and we do that to our kids. I mean, EFT works amazing, by the way. So it's like when, when somebody gets up the courage to then get vulnerable and, and I always say, then show us their heart and put it out there. We have to be able to empathy well and not just, oh, okay, I, I hear you. But anything after the but, I'll always say, no, 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 but. It's like, tell me more. I'm going to be there beside you. I want to see what this looks like for you. I can understand why that would be scary for you. And then it becomes about once the person feels heard, here's where that nice evidence-based stuff goes in. There's a big difference from somebody saying, you know, I can't believe you just said that to me or 
well, that's the dumbest thing in the world. Or if somebody says, I'm afraid to start a new job tomorrow and their partner says, how do you think I feel? I got to go to work every day. You think I like mine? I mean, these are all kinds of things where if you had a brain scan on that person, the little synapses all shut down. Here comes the adrenaline fight or flight mode. The reasoning part of the brain takes a back seat. And now it's like, okay, here we go. But if you go to your partner and say, I'm afraid to start this job and they are, there's like, Hey, I'm here. Like, tell me, tell me yeah, all the things you're thinking. And they don't try to fix it. Little synapses of the brain open up happy chemicals are, are flowing and we're off. That's amazing. That makes so much sense. It made me think of not in a marriage, but it made me also think of, it's like when you're a struggling mom at the store and you confide in someone and say, oh, this is just being a hard day or something. You have someone, well, you need to enjoy right now. You need to enjoy oh, right now. Yes. It's meant well, like, oh, you're going to miss it. I miss that so bad. It's meant well. But when you're in the trenches of it, then you have guilt on top of you of, oh, you're right. That's how I should be feeling, which is the last thing we need, especially in a marriage, in a place that's supposed to be completely safe. You nailed it. And that's because here comes like our friend's guilt and shame. And that's like, it is. Whenever it kind of ends with the, in my own brain of the, yeah, what's wrong with me story, you know, or if I go to my partner and I, I don't know, I express a frustration and they're like, you know, Hey, you just need to be grateful. Right. Then it's like, man, okay, what's wrong with me? Why can't I be grateful? You know? And then it's like, wait a minute. He didn't even ask me what I'm frustrated about. And it takes practice, truly. Like the hard part. And what I love about EFT is I'm not the judge. I'm not the referee in a session. It's a framework. We know then once we're locked into this new paradigm, this EFT conversation, that if my partner is bringing something to me, even if in my brain, I want to say, are you kidding me? We know that I can't. That's like not the way we EFT, you know? So it's like, all right, hey, take me on your train of thought. I want to know where this comes from. And I'll even have couples just practice maybe two or three times a week, 10 or 15 minutes just sit down and talk uninterrupted about the day's events and just tell me more. Because even when we'll say, you know, how was your day? Man, I was really frustrated. Uh, the, you saw, one of the kids didn't go to school and his teacher called and, and he's behind on his work. And, you know, and if our partner's like, well, what'd you tell him? Well, that you need to do this and this, or well, why didn't you, why didn't you call this person? Or even when we're trying to have just conversations, we're fixing and judging. And so we, you can see that over time, we just get in this pattern of why am I even going to bring stuff up if I know that it's not going to go well? That's so interesting. My husband and I, we actually just got back from an anniversary overnighter. We were talking about some things that are difficult in our marriage. And when I actually said, well, it's okay because I'm recording with Tony on Thursday. <laughs> so that'll answer everything. Uh, right. We don't live in California with you. So this is like mm -hmm. our one shot, you know, yeah. kidding. No, we've been, to, we've been to different marriage counseling before. And something that I've noticed about myself, and I think this relates, is that I struggle when I feel rushed. Oh, when I feel yeah. about when I'm talking, what I'm doing. And I think my husband feels the same. He'll often say to me, I just want to feel heard. I want to yeah. feel heard. And yeah. he's very much so an outward processor, we've learned. And so he says everything that comes to mind. So sometimes it takes him a little bit to process what he's thinking. And there's part of me that can get like, uh, yeah. just get to the main thing. But I've realized I need to tread carefully. I was just listening to Renee Brown on Oprah's podcast yesterday, and she talks about the anatomy of trust. How those small moments adding up are what create a trusting relationship. You have a moment where you can either show trust or you can show betrayal. Are you a John Gottman fan? Yeah, so before I found EFT, that was, I mean, Gottman was, was amazing. And so, yeah, it's funny you say that. My podcast last week, which was talking about basically studies show that emotional maturity by the husband is really a key. Because I mean, sometimes when people say, well, who gets out of their bunker first? I'm like, okay, I nominate the husband, you know? And so in this study kind of backed that up, but that was from the Gottman Institute. 
Brene Brown gave the example of Gottman when he was reading a book and he really, really wanted to finish the ending and he gets up to go brush his teeth and he's ready to, you know, jump back in and finish his good book. And his wife is sitting there in the bathroom brushing her hair and he can tell she looks sad and something's wrong. His first thought was just keep walking. (laughs) But in that moment, instead, he chose to go over and he took the brush out of her hands and he started brushing her hair and he said something like, Babe, what's going on with you? Uh, that's so neat. We don't yeah. need to rush we, yeah. we, to really just sit with someone. And I think that's something that my husband and I both want to improve on is not rushing each other, but just being still, being mindful yeah. in our marriage. Exactly. And so when, when people will tell me, well, we don't have time, I'm like, okay, well, okay, we're not going to fuse to the we don't have time story. Then we need to create more time. And I know that can sound impossible, but just start to intentionally move toward something new in that situation. And that's where it's like, we don't have to be able to figure it all out tonight. And what I love about EFT is it really is, it's not a compromise based system, not a lot of evidence based stuff around compromise, because you both feel kind of maybe like you lost out a bit. But EFT is about here are my truths, partner hears that and they're like, wow, okay, that makes sense. I'll give you a really silly example. One that I just processed a couple of days ago was a person who wanted to get a new car, the wife, let's just say that she, she's like, okay, you know, any car will do. And then uh, the, they found one with leather seats. And then the husband was like, I really would like this one. And the wife's like, ah, it's a mess or it gets too hot or whatever. And they ended up getting one that uh, did not have leather seats. Then we processed this. And it was just really funny. You can EFT anything. So they were bringing up the part about the car and then to the husband. For her, she was just like, I don't know. I think they kind of get hot. And then for the husband, he was like, I grew up with no money. That was like the epitome of uh, success. I know it sounds shallow, but I always dreamed of the day when I would have a car with leather seats. We haven't had yeah. one yet. We're in a better spot. At that point, you know, I would imagine she would probably think, let's get the leather seats. To me, it didn't mean as much, but man, thanks for sharing. Absolutely. Um, so just to clarify, so listeners understand, I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit familiar with EFT, but how would you explain EFT in like a sentence? In a sentence. Sorry, two, three. Really well, Julie. Okay. So um, <laughs> it's based on attachment theory and it's really coming from this place of, are you there for me? You know, can I count on you? Do you have my back? In, in a couple of sentences, which I've already gone past, EFT is a model where you go to your partner and we look at if your partner is bringing something to the table to discuss, there's a reason why. Our, no one wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I want to hurt my partner or that sort of thing. So if we see our partner, if we care about them, if, you know, we want them to feel securely attached then we want them to be able to just know that we are there for them. We're a secure attachment. They can come to us and we are going to listen and have empathy. And then at that point, we will then share what our thoughts or truths are. When you become a brand new therapist, you do a lot of reflective listening. And I know that there are therapists that that's still their go-to. And reflective listening is, all right, what did you hear her say? And okay, what did you hear him say? And then basically the therapist steps back and says, all right, that was good. You didn't yell at each other. You hurt each other, now compromise or now fix it. And so I just feel the key with EFT is just being able to really kind of share your experiences around why you're expressing something. Your partner then is going to then once they understand that, then they can share what their experiences are. And then I call that, you know, one round of EFT. And the difference here is, is you walk away from an EFT conversation. I now know more about my partner. I know it can sound goofy, but any conversation that you start, and if you stay in this modality, somebody just saying, what do you like about tacos? You know, and if it's like, okay, growing up, this is this, and this meant this to me or whatever. And it's like, okay, I just learned more about my partner. I just thought they liked tacos. And then the more you secure that connection, then there's a pretty cool concept in EFT. They give an example of if you're on the beach and there's a storm, when the connection isn't secure, 
it's like it's going to blow you around. You know, it's going to you know, blow you all over the beach. But if your connection is secure, you're still going to feel the breeze. It's still going to move the leaves on a tree, but the tree isn't going to get blown off its uh, foundation. So, I mean, there's still going to be arguments. There's still going to be disagreements. But now you know, okay, if my partner's frustrated with me, then they can say to me, hey, I kind of feel like your tone, your tone's a little bit harsh. And instead of the response of being no, it's not. Or you want harsh. This is harsh. It's like, okay, I didn't even realize. So tell me what you're hearing. Like, you know, cause I didn't even know. Or the partner knows they're in a safe enough situation to say, you know, you're right. I, I was kind of being a little bit loud and I, and, and I was kind of stuck in this pattern of that's the way I'm going to get your attention. And you just know you can talk about anything. I mean, earlier about you and your husband, like I love that conversation around sometimes people need to process differently. And so once you're locked into, I always say in the EFT framework, you can't say, you know, I don't believe that. Here they put out this emotional bid and then the, and then the other partner hears it and validates it. And then they kind of are like, okay, I need a little bit of time to process that. It takes me a little longer to think through it. The other partner can't say, okay, that's an excuse. You know, this just means they're never going to want to talk about it. No, we, we have to say, okay, I have to trust that they are now putting out their own emotional bid. And so it's like, I'm here for you. All right, well, let's process. I'm a guy who I can start talking. Maybe this is evident. And then, you know, and then it's like I head one way and it's like, well, wait a minute. Now that I'm kind of saying that, I don't know. I don't know if I really mean that, you know, or, or maybe that does come as more of a reaction because of something that I went through today. And because I always say that, you know, in EFT, what I love about it too is when we're arguing with our partner, some of the things are so irrational. So if they say something and then they kind of think it through and go, you know what, I actually don't mean that. And a lot of marriages, they're like, well, you said, well, you already said this thing. So you can't take it back. And I've always, done that. Well, and we all do. Mm-hmm. We all do. And so I always like to give the example of it's more like you go to order at a restaurant and you say, oh, the chicken tacos. And you're sitting there like, I don't know. No, I'll, I'll have a hamburger. And the waiter or whoever doesn't go, oh, no, you said chicken tacos. <laughs> you know, you cannot go back on that. I feel like, why can't we do that with our marriage? You know, why can't we process something? And then if our partner let us know, hey, that kind of hurts when you say it that way or whatever. And then to be able to say, okay, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't have said it that way. We talk about seeing on here a lot, right? I see you with compassion and connection. So how can seeing your spouse, being completely present with them, how can that save a marriage? We talk about saving lives Mm -hmm. and changing lives. I believe what you're talking about will save marriages. What does that look like? I love that you said that. And I feel this part where I feel goofy. I just get so many emails now, which I'm so blessed and grateful for. And I get a ton. They do say that here in a podcast or learn the modality, whatever has saved a marriage. And it's like, I mean, it'll get me teary eyed, you know, to think, wow, that's like crazy. And, and it breaks my heart to think that there are people out there that don't know about this or they're too scared to implement it with their partner or anything. But I thought I knew you would say, ask this question because I love it. I love that. I see you. And I kind of like what the Gottman example was, is I feel like when you know that you're in this together, when you really are trying to secure that attachment or use this EFT model, you can go to your partner, you can say, hey, is everything okay? And your partner isn't going to just say, no, I'm fine. But it's one of those where something's up, but she doesn't either feel safe to say it or she's doing the, well, you should know. those Passive aggressive. Yeah, Yeah. right. So, you know, I see you. It's like knowing that I can go to my partner and I can just say, hey, tell me what's going on. And they know, they know I can trust to open up. Sometimes I'll, I don't know, I'll see a bunch of clients, maybe a couple of things are heavy. I'll go home and I know there are times where I can just say, okay, I'm like feeling totally off to my wife, right? And I love the fact that she'll just say, okay, quick check in, anything that I've done, anything I can do, right? And I'll be, oh, no, 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 I appreciate it. But, and she's like, okay, thank you for letting me know. And sometimes we'll just sit on the couch beside each other and I just know, man, she's there for me. And then two, three minutes, it's like, all right, let's do this. Because I know that she's going to be there for me. Well, and I love that, the idea of just, allowing negative emotion to exist and being okay with it. Not, 
ah, all hands on decks. So we got to, you know, we got to fix this. What did I do wrong? What can I do better? You know, but just to be like, you're hurting and that's yeah. okay. But yeah. also being vulnerable enough. She can say to you, Hey, is there anything I can do? Or, and there's no, there's no judgment. There's no pain. There's nope. no second guessing. Yeah. And the cool part is like when you do it over and over and it becomes kind of the routine, there's some other things too, where, you know, if, if the relationship isn't necessarily secure or you don't have these communication patterns intact, there are times where it's like, hey, did I do anything? And they're like, no. But, you know, you're like, I think it's me, you know, <laughs> right? And so it, it, there's even this kind of wild thing I was thinking about the other day where if my wife's feeling a little bit, you know, we got this wedding we're planning and that sort of thing. And if she's like down or frustrated, I'm like, hey, is there anything I've missed or is there anything I can do? Or is it, you know, basically I'm saying, are you mad at me? And if she's like, no, 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 it, it's not. I know now that if it was, she would tell me it helps me to not then go to some negative place of like, oh, geez, like, you know, because I just know, okay, my job is I'm going to do whatever I can to help. There's like these uh, other things that come with EFT that you don't even recognize that are just brilliant. They really well, are. And that's so neat that you can have a trusting relationship where you really, truly can take each other at each other's word. Mm-hmm. It is so hard to relate and talk to someone where you, you don't know what they mean when they talk. Yeah. With someone where you know what they say is what they mean. Yeah. I mean, that was the best part, I think, from going from living with five girl roommates who I dearly loved, but then getting married and living with a dude. It was like <laughs> the best thing ever because I was like, oh, you say you're cool when you're cool. It's just so easy. You know, I yeah. love that. So I do a lot of couples therapy now because this modality is amazing. And so I don't shy away. I might see 20, 25 couples in a week, you know, where before if I had one or two, I would think, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to (laughs) do? The hardest part I think is, and I know this is such a cliche, but people don't know what they don't know. So when they haven't seen this type of a relationship ever modeled, when they think it's, you know, this is like, this guy doesn't even know what he's talking about. He's pitching some fairy tale. Nobody has a relationship like that. That can be difficult because I'm sitting there trying to, I always say I'm like, I'm in the EFT Sherpa in the room because it's a framework. They aren't looking at me and be like, who, who, who do you think is right? No, 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 that's not the way it works. You know, we got this framework and I feel like there's still this just desire early on in therapy, even with this modality that I know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of couples later works where they're still like, okay, I hear your theory there, little man. But when I tell you how bad she is, then you'll put this theory stuff aside. And then, and then you can tell her that I'm right. For some couples that maybe both haven't had healthy relationships in their lives. I feel like they're hearing me, but they still feel like the role of coming into marriage counseling is, Hey, we're going to yell at each other. And you tell you, you say who wins. Man, you no. see that they're actually the crazy one. Yeah, exactly. It is. They're going to convince me. Because even in EFT, you're looking at, I mean, it's about semantics. I mean, so when somebody shares their emotional bid, I'm kind of a bit of a, I was going to say a weenie. Is that a bad word in a, in a podcast? When the person's like, okay, I can understand. Or they're, they're trying to validate or have empathy. And then they're like, but she needs to understand that. And it's like, no, no, no. You know, semantics matter. It's like, but I feel like... I have tried that before, or I've noticed that it's not, you know, because you can't just go back in into attack mode. And then another one is you can even lay out these EFT principles, and then you start to recognize how powerful facial expressions are, body language. Now I've got a guy putting out his emotional bid, and then the wife just like rolls her eyes, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, or oh. tone of voice, man. We talk about oh. tone of voice all day at the Lee household. That one's a hard one. One of the hardest things is in EFT, you know, I can think of a guy who had a very loud voice and the wife was like, okay, when he starts yelling at me, right? And the guy's like, I'm not yelling. <laughs> and then it's just my voice. And, and I was like, I appreciate that. But the, are you there for me? I care about you here would be, all right, I will whisper if I have to, 
because I care about you. I might speak my truth of it's my natural speaking voice or we could go get my voice box, you know, MRI and find out that it's elongated. But the point is, I will do whatever it takes to help you with that because I know you're saying that because, uh, you know, a loud voice frightens you because if you get to her truths, maybe she grew up around in a emotionally abusive home. And when somebody starts to raise their voice, her cortisol levels go through the roof. And now she's in fight or flight mode, whether she wants to be or not. But we want to be able to have that conversation and not have her partner tell us, well, too bad, or we'll get over it. You choose your spouse every day, right? You, I do yeah. this because I choose you, not because you're right or I'm wrong. No, I, or, or I guess we're stuck with this, right? To me, this is the most important part of the episode. If there's someone struggling and they're in a marriage that's hurting, which I think all of us have that at some point. Yeah. Maybe not you. Just kidding. No, oh, I totally. I'm sure you, you suck at EFT sometimes, right? Oh, totally. And that's the thing that's frustrating. I totally sucked at EFT and parenting last night with a, a project we were working on. I'm like, holy cow, I'm a therapist for Pete's sake. And I just blew it, right? Yeah, yeah. But then I used my acceptance and commitment therapy skills and recognized that I was trying to fuse to the I blew it story, which is not productive, Julie. Mm-hmm. So I mindfully got back to the, Good for you. the topic at hand. Good. Well, so if there's someone struggling, like all yeah. of us, but someone specifically who's really struggling in a marriage and their marriage is hurting, it's in a bad place. What would be yeah. your message to them? The easy one is to say, get help. You know, but I know the reality is there are people in emotionally abusive relationships. I do a lot on my podcast about personality disorders and about gaslighting and about really unhealthy communication patterns. And so I know that there are going to be people that are going to hear this and they're like, man, I want this EFT thing. And they might let their spouse hear this and their spouse will be like, that's a bunch of garbage or, you know, I, I don't believe in that or that's just a bunch of fluff or whatever. And they're going to feel like, oh my gosh, there's nothing I can do. But okay, I'm glad you asked this because get help. But then if it doesn't come that naturally, don't give up at that point. And I, I have a lot of people that then they do their homework. They start listening to podcasts. They go listen to the Hold Me Tight book, a book about EFT. They do their work because the first step, it's not that now I will convince him or now I will change him, but I want people to recognize there's a better way. I want them to be able to put distance from a unhealthy relationship, even if it's in their mind, because that is the first step. One of my podcasts I really feel passionate about is uh, what I call the emotional baseline. And I feel like when people, when their emotions, their baseline of emotions are high and they feel good about life in general, they're going to respond to certain things in a positive way. But when they start to feel overwhelmed or emotionally beat down or their health is in decline or they're sad or there's been death, whatever, their baseline of emotions lowers and they still have all the same stuff coming at them day by day, Mm. but they're going to respond completely different. Even just doing the work or understanding or learning as much as you can will start to raise your emotional baseline. And at some point it's going to get to a point or high enough and then maybe that's where you need to be to then lay down boundaries or to be able to say, hey, I'm not going to live this way anymore, especially that I, I know there are better ways to communicate. We need to get help. Best case scenario, say, hey, husband or wife, listen to this amazing podcast. The CFT stuff sounds awesome. Person listens and then they just do their homework and research and they do their self-care and they get to a point where then they feel like they can have that conversation. I love it. That, boy, that was a long answer, huh? No, oh, it's so good. Help. I was right, just soaking so, it up. It's all good. And real quick, maybe I could yeah. ask you, I wasn't planning on this, but I have listened to some of your episodes about unhealthy relationships. I've listened to a lot about narcissism and gaslighting. Yeah. How can you tell if you are in a relationship where you're with someone that is emotionally abusive? I feel like I've said emotionally abusive things before to my husband. Well, we all do. Probably. I'll normalize right? that. Normal. And it's tricky yeah, yeah. when you listen to these things, you're like, ooh, I think I've done that before as a human being. So how do you know the difference? Okay, go. No, that's good. Because honestly, it was a few weeks ago and I was telling something to my wife and she was like, I kind of feel like this is gaslighting. And my first response was, 
are you kidding me? Like I wouldn't, and I was like, okay, I got to do the EFT skills. I was like, tell me more, you know, what are you hearing? <laughs> and then when she kind of laid out the way that I was presenting my case, it was like, wow, I technically I am gaslighting. So I think the big difference or the takeaway for me was I was coming from a, no, 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 like you, you're not understanding. I mean, I really mean well. And, and if I just keep explaining this concept, then you'll see, but it really was coming across as right. I'm hearing you, but you don't get it. So the gaslighting really is bringing something to your partner's attention. And it's not just that by the end of it, you know, you feel like he, they just don't understand me. No, the emotionally abuse or the gaslighting is when at the end of that conversation, you feel worse about yourself. You know, you've been now told that I can't even believe you brought that up. You know, th- I, this is ridiculous. You know, it's like you're saying, hey, uh, I really feel like we need a new car. And then it's like, you know, by the end of that, there's no tell me what you're thinking. Tell me about, tell me more. What are you saying? You know, or him sharing his truths. Man, I hear you, but financially where it's a struggle, but instead of it's like, really, you're going to bring up a car, you know, with all that I've got going on at work or whatever. And, and I see you spend money all the time. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. seriously, I can't even believe you're mentioning that, you know, that, that just shows how disconnected you are. So yeah. then the person's like, sorry, that's the emotional abuse. I would encourage people to maybe stop over and take a look at some of those podcasts because you bring up a great point. There is behavior that will look like gaslighting or maybe emotional abuse. But then if a person is willing to kind of sit down and talk through that, that's why I like the EFT model, then a lot of times we'll find out kind of like what I did in my conversation where, wow, no, I can totally see how that would feel like gaslighting because you're right. I wasn't really listening to what you were saying. I was so convinced that I could explain myself that I was bulldozing right over you versus a, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I can't believe you even said that or, or that sort of thing. So I don't know if that answered your question. No, okay. it was awesome. This is going to help so many people. I appreciate it so much. Mm-hmm. You're the best. You're nice. I'm, so, I'm really I'm, no, I'm grateful to, yeah. And I really would encourage listeners to go over and, and listen to his episodes. I think it'll be really helpful in all of your relationships. So where can people find you? TonyOverbay.com. And then I have a tab on there for virtual couch. I actually do have a virtualcouch.xyz just because I thought that was a fun URL to have because it really is a .xyz. Uh-huh. And then you can find the Virtual Couch podcast all over the place. I have been on a couple of my episodes asking people to send in examples where they feel like there might be gaslighting because my secret thoughts here, which I guess now they won't be so secret, again, breaks my heart that people feel like that's normal, the way that that communication works. Honest, I've got now over 40 something pages of single spaced examples of people that have sent in about, man, I, I, I never knew there was a term for this or here's what happens. And I want to start up, uh, I'm thinking about maybe another podcast or specific episodes where I don't want to say it to kind of villainize the person that maybe is doing the gaslighting, even if deep inside I do. I want people to understand, here's an example of an unhealthy communication pattern. And then I want to then take that and then frame it of what an EFT conversation would look like. I've got like two or three. I've got a couple of them where somebody says, is it normal that when we go to the park, me and the kids, if we have to use the bathroom, that my husband's like, no, we can't use the bathroom. We got stuff to do. You know, I can't even believe you want to stop and do that when you're the one that wanted to be here in the first place or, you know, but then when they have to go to the bathroom and they're like, Mm -hmm. all right, right, everybody, uh, bathroom time. And we just get little things like that where, you know, I want to then reframe that from an EFT standpoint, which truthfully, that one's an easy one. Hey, uh, you need to go to the bathroom. Okay. You don't even have to say, tell me more. Tell me about that. The wife doesn't even have to say, I don't know, I'm feeling like a pressure on my bladder and I feel like I need to go relieve it. I mean, that one should be a layup, right? <laughs> that one is like, why are you asking me? I got to go too. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I get things, everything from that to then these just really, really deep things where somebody comes out of a conversation just in tears. It's not okay. You need to start a podcast on that. I will be your first listener and I will rate it and I will subscribe. Okay. I will do all of those things. That would be so fascinating. And what I love is that there is a model to fix that in yourself or your spouse yeah. can fix that. It's not an end game. 
Yeah, no, and I truthfully, I mean, I want to frame it now. I feel like we're talking insider baseball here, but I mean, I do, I want it to be something somebody can say, hey, listen to this spouse. And I feel like we've had this conversation and, and I would love it if we could have it this other way. I mean, I yeah. think that would be a good thing to shoot for. You're saving marriages. It's amazing. I love it. Thank you no, for being here. Kind of I can't wait to have you on again. I can't wait to have, yeah, well, yeah we'll, we'll do some more episodes. Anytime. Maybe we should get Rob on and you can do marriage counseling via your podcast sometime. He'd do it. I'm not even kidding. I don't know if that is like a HIPAA problem, but we'd do it. I think if I just say just kidding at the end, then maybe we're all covered. It's fine. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. Thanks, Tony. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Julie. Okay. Bye. Bye. That was fun. Thanks, Julie. I just pressed stop. Yeah. 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 Stop. Are you sure? Oh, the snorting, right? It's the best. I love you, Tony Overbay. Can't wait to join our special forces more. Next week, a dear stranger who I now see as a dear friend is here to share her story. She has a lot of amazing accomplishments. She attended Juilliard for six years and she's a professional classical pianist. She has a beautiful life. She's also experienced great heartache as she lost her sister this past January to suicide. This story has a special place in my heart because her sister is actually my age. She has a beautiful, hopeful message for us and has a beautiful original piece to share with us as well. This is probably one of the most meaningful interviews I've recorded and it's really resulted in a meaningful relationship for me. Please don't miss next week. My name is Julie Lee and I see you. I really, really do.